0: All right, all right, all right. Welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. Today we're going to be talking about the rookie face-off, Valardi's contract, and the goalie discussion where the Kings are right now and maybe how they should plan for the future. Get in the chat, like and subscribe, hit that notification button. Hey, let's go. <laughs> And well, before we get started, I always want to appreciate you guys for coming in here and listening to this. Please hit that like button, like a Martin Firk slap shot. Uh, we'll, we, we'll get this thing going here. But before, how how is my co-host doing? We had a week off. Both you guys had a little vacay. Joe, uh, how was uh, how was your week?
1: Good, good. Uh, spent some time. Uh, we drove to Connecticut with the family. Took the boys to the, they had an aquarium out in the place that we went, uh, which was nice. They got a chance to see some some big whales out in out in Connecticut which was fun took them to a big dinosaur place so a lot of fun for uh for the kids so they're they're at the age where we're like do we do this do we do the Disney trip they're four and two and it's like they're still a little young and we're tossing around the idea next year and I so we walked around like the aquarium one day and then the the dinosaur place the other i'm like
2: this, this is, is like a wild. trial run right yeah the this is run.
1: like i told i said this is a fraction like <laughs> fraction of what disney is so we may need to like rethink this because it was it was a grind at times but it was good <laughs> it was good good how you guys doing
2: i'm doing good uh just been enjoying the california summer out here it's been getting a little warm enjoying the beaches you know same old same old uh just missing some hockey is all
0: yeah yeah So is Connor Bedard and and Evander Kane, you know, lighting up beer leagues and roller inline skating leagues left and right. So uh, they're enjoying that as well. Uh, Yeah, with the the week off, I've just been diving headfirst into the fantasy football. I'm up to like, I don't know, like eight leagues now doing best ball. I just I'm bored, you know, so doing that, uh, planning my vacation, um, you know, finally pulled the trigger there. So I'll be headed to Europe in uh, October. Uh, so uh, it'll be unfortunate. I'll miss the beginning of the season here for the Kings, but um, definitely be excited for for that. Uh, seeing Spain and Portugal. So if anybody has any recommendations, uh, throw uh, throw it in, in the DMs here on Twitter at Commando 24 and I'll try to look at those up. Uh, but before we get started on the topics, Nav's in here. Uh, like and share. Thank you, Nav. Appreciate that. Let's go, boys. shake Master. Let's go. It's time to talk some Kings hockey. And Nav is kind of upset, Joe, that you didn't give him a little invite. Uh, I don't know if it got lost in the mail or what's going on, but he uh, would have liked to see to the, 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 the whales in Connecticut as well. <laughs> Next time, Nav. Next time. So before we get into the, the meat of this discussion, this podcast and uh, all of our YouTube is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports, sportsbook of THPN. New customers, download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code THPN, bet $5, and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Get your get your baseball bets in. Will the Dodgers uh, maybe make a run in Olin Arenado? We'll see how that goes out and put some uh, put some uh, push for the playoffs there. But speaking of playoffs, we don't talk about playoffs for a long time for hockey, but we're talking about rookie face-offs. So we're talking <laughs> about the beginning of the season. So rookie face-offs come up in September. Kings announced their uh, – the tentative schedule there what's going to be going on the three games it's going to be in vegas this year i believe it's september 16th through the 19th uh so yeah you'll have uh it'll be out there in uh, in nevada the kings will play colorado vegas on uh, and then sunday have a day off and then they usually end with uh, san jose there so some good teams some up and coming prospects maybe uh on the uh, san jose side that would be interesting to see there uh Russ, you went there last year and and, and been uh, done it a couple times. What can fans expect if they want to make the trip out to Vegas, other than uh, copious amounts of booze and probably losing some of their rent money?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's the rookie face-off is a lot of fun. It's almost like your precursor to the to the start of the NHL season or the training camp. So, it, I mean, especially for the Kings, the last few years, right? You get Quentin Byfield, Arthur Kaliev, all their top prospects that, that have kind of come up in this. Uh, tournament kind of get to show how good they are against their peers. Like those same type of rookies just kind of fringe NHL players kind of getting them a feet wet in the NHL. So, I mean, I, I, love it. I went there last year into San Jose. Um, obviously Brent Clark put on a show there with his, his shoot, walk-off shootout goal. That wasn't actually a walk-off, but <laughs> so that was pretty fun. And I went the year before in Arizona. So yeah, this year um, it's in Vegas. Um they're playing at two different arenas. I think it starts the fifteenth, and they're playing against the Sharks, the Coyotes, and the Ducks, which is actually pretty cool because I don't think they played the Ducks last year. And um, the, you know uh,
0: you know how the I'm Ducks. Looking have, at, I'm looking at the wrong article. Good call there. Good call. <laughs> yeah,
2: good. No, you know, I mean, you know how the Ducks have their their top prospects. So, I mean, Brent Clark, I would expect him to be in the lineup, um, for some of these games. If not all of them, Eric Portillo, obviously, probably get him some good good looks uh, against some of these other teams. So, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, we just saw Logan Cooley sign his entry-level deal, so maybe he'll be on the team for the Coyotes. Um, so you get a lot of competition um, with uh, with some of these team go- teams going over there. So it's a lot of fun, and I think um, it'll be a, l- a lot more fun that it's in Vegas this year, too.
1: Yeah, especially when the when the rosters get announced, to be able to to kind of see a little bit more and kind of hone in on on a couple of more guys, I think it's you know it's it's hard not to to really want to get a good look at what Eric Portillo can do, Patillo, mm-hmm. excuse me, um, as he heads into his first pro season. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on him. I think there was really Russ at Dev Camp too, right? I mean, I think yeah. you know it's a little bit of a different setup, but I, I think that that there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of eyes on him, um, and listen—if Brandt Clark's there, he's going to be the headliner, at least for the LA Kings, of course. Like what he did last year, what some of the stuff that he's shown, uh, in, in even in Dev Camp, uh, he, he, he looked pretty impressive at times. So uh, I think it's it's still exciting because the Kings are getting out of this phase of like being one of the high end uh, uh, farm systems because they've been building and building and building it up. So these have been really exciting to see over these last few years. And while the farm but the farm system is still good, yet some of these players we could see making impacts really soon. Um, so I think it makes it I, may, I think it makes it really exciting.
2: It's weird though, because there's like the names in the kings, I mean obviously we know about the king's system right now, but they're they're not necessarily the flashy names like the Quentin Byfields or, or like mm-hmm. Alex Turcotts or all these out the Kalievs, all these names that national riders get the grab the headlines or whatnot. So, but I mean, for us, I mean, we see like Martin Chromiak, Alex LaFarriere, Francisco (laughs) Pinelli, like all these really good young players that are still like maybe middle round draft picks. I mean, Chromiak was a fifth rounder. LeFerrier is a third rounder. So you see all these like players that maybe don't get as much notice around the league. But I mean, from everything we've seen, I mean, in their college times with LaFarriere or just in juniors or even in the AHL with some of these players, they're starting to make some noise. So I think some of these players, maybe, I don't know, maybe you kind of, they have it in the back of their mind. Like, I mean, especially with the way that the roster's shaken up, there seems to be some up- roster spots possibly open um, from that fourth line. You never know. I mean, maybe a Martin sure. Romiac, um competes for one of those spots. And we've seen LaFarriere. We know the name Pinelli too. So I'm excited. I think a lot of players have that in the back of their mind when they go into these these games too.
1: I feel like some of these later, late earth, later first, like you're again, not your Turcotts, you're your at the time Velardis or Byfields and these guys, but the this newer, this next crop of like chromiac and Pinelli, Leferrier, it reminds me a little bit of like which one of these may turn into something. It's like which one of figimo and Capari is going to turn into something. These aren't like the top prospects, but they're the next wave the next batch if you will the next tier and we started we've started to see flashes from Kapari obviously he ends up getting traded we've seen flashes from Fagimo particularly in the AHL level you know and, and are we going to start to see some similar which one of these next guys takes that next step and can they make that next step to be an impactful player uh in the NHL I think that's what's kind of intriguing is is you've got this group of like the next tier but you're also like okay we need Biffo to take a step. The Kings need Callieff to take another step. Clark—is he going to make the roster? So there's there's kind of questions at both ends of the spectrum, really, from the elite prospects, but then that next tier, and then as you go down the list, we talked about Portillo a little bit. We'll talk about him later too. Like it, it, it's it's an, it's it is intriguing this time around. It's different, I feel like, but it it it's intriguing.
0: I'm excited to see that these guys are going to be the next wave. It's not the excitement of the high names. I mean, obviously, people are going to be there to see Fantilli or Logan Cooley or uh, those those types of names, right? So, or I know uh, they went to Carlson went to uh, Anaheim. So Leo oh. Carlson. Um, so you know those types of names that we had with Byfield, but you know these guys are going to backfill this roster. You know, in two or three years, to where you have some guys like Victor Arvidsson is going to be dropping off. You're going to have the Trevor Moore after five years. Where's that going to be there? You know, is the going to sign another contract so are we can have a center that's going to come and, and, and move his way up? We always need scoring. So, you know, a lot of these guys are I know the excitement has kind of went from what can we get for these old prospects we're doing a rebuild? Who do we draft? What do these kids look like? When are they going to play? How often are they going to play? Oh, now the team's competing and you're kind of forgetting about the prospect pool, but these players are going to be relied upon to carry and maybe op- uh, sustain the window that's being opened up by this current roster. And um, I think it's going to be quite interesting to see where that that goes up because, uh, as we know, we haven't had the, bis- the best success with the top uh, the top picks yet. Um, still plenty of time for those guys to, to grow in and, and, and score. Uh, but the second to fourth rounders and, the, and these guys that are going to be back in this roster are just as important. I'm going to ask you guys a question here. I mean, you look at, um, I think it was last year, maybe it was two years. I think it was two years ago. Sean Dersey was one of the older players, came mm-hmm. in. It was kind of yeah. unexpected. Um, and so, like, they've done it a couple times where they maybe had an older prospect that's gotten some, um, you know, maybe some run in the AHL. Where, where, What prospect or player would you guys like to see maybe uh, go there, maybe be a captain and kind of kind of see what he's got? I think the obvious one would be Brant Clark, but I'll go I
2: want to see what Samuel Helenius can do. Cause I think this is a player obviously who's had already a full pro year under his belt. So I mean he's gonna be one of the bigger players, if not the biggest player at this rookie face-off. So I want to see him go in there and throw his weight around, like show that force and some of that aggressiveness that we've seen um, at times with the Ontario Reign. I mean, because I mean, at Dev Camp, it's it's hard to really be so physical, especially with your own teammates. I mean, we saw it at times, but I think with now that he has a chance to kind of go up against players of somewhat his age group, I think it'll give him a little bit more confidence to show that aggressiveness, show that sandpaper that we've seen from Samuel Lanius. I mean, this is a player that has dropped dropped the gloves against. Uh, professionals in the H already. He's had a couple of fights under under his belt, so I'm curious to see what he does and and maybe shows a little leadership, too, because this is a player that I think the Kings are really high on. I mean, they they envision this player to be a a, a bottom six center for this team in the near future, so whether Blake Lazotte leaves or you mentioned Phil Deneau's contract has got a couple more years left, I think three more years left, so who knows? Maybe Samuel Lenius is a bottom six center of the future, and I'm curious to see what he does here.
1: I don't know the likelihood just from an age standpoint of, of these two guys being well age and health standpoint of these two guys being able to participate. Um, so if you think I'm off base here, Russ, um, but Alex Turcotte is one and Akil Thomas for me is a player that I just, uh, yeah, Nav, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I still think this kid is it's a really, really good talent and, and, he just hasn't, similar to Turcotte, hasn't been able to just stay healthy. But, boy, I would love to see, Randy, you're talking about somebody that's a little bit older, kind of be that veteran guy. I, I really think that could be somebody like an Akil Thomas. I think he's a guy that's capable of wearing a letter um, if he can stay on the ice, if he can get on the ice and stay on the ice health-wise. So I don't know if he's somebody that would be at this particular weekend, um, but um, – He's certainly somebody here in the in the, as we head into the season, preseason that I'm going to have my eyes on is is a Thomas.
2: Yeah, I'm curious. If, I'm I'd be curious if those two actually made it. I mean, obviously, I think they're obviously older than probably a lot of the players that are going. Right, right. But with all the circumstances surrounding them, I mean, Keel Thomas didn't play hockey all last year. Obviously, Alex Turcotte hasn't played hockey since he was 12 years old. So you have a lot of a lot of a lot of players that um, kind of could be borderline making this team mm-hmm. i i would like mm-hmm. to see them play because i mean obviously you want to see them back on the ice I, I know turka and akil thomas are both skating and they're both it seems to me that they're both 100 percent. i think uh, akil thomas is actually training in ontario and I, i've seen video of alex turcott actually training um with his off-season group um i think it's in michigan so or wisconsin i'm not sure but yeah so both of them seem to be relatively healthy so i would. I mean, it'd be nice to see them in these games because a lot of Kings fans like like ourselves have a lot of confidence in these players.
1: And I think Brandon's, to Randon's point, and I don't want to speak for you, but like you mentioned these guys that are a little bit older and maybe taking the reins on a leadership role. Maybe that's something that it gives them the opportunity to do that where they really haven't had the need or the chance or the experience or, or whatever to do that in the AHL because there's been veterans around and maybe this is an opportunity for them to be, to kind of be given that leadership role. And I think that that's an interesting, uh interesting thought, Randall. I don't know if you had somebody else in mind.
0: No, I mean, Turcott was my, my one. And I, I think it would be interesting to pair him with Akil Thomas. Cause you saw when they did let Byfield come and Jersey, there's three games. They played two out of the three. So, you know, if Turcotte's the captain for Game One, Akeel's the captain for Game Two, and then you have both of them in Game Three because there's that day off, you know, I think that could be something that works on. Maybe you you have a, another a more veteran presence on the on the blue line with Brent Clark, not necessarily Jordan Spence, but Kim Nucian's a little bit older. He's played multiple games in the AHL. Maybe you bring him in uh, to kind of help a lot of the Europeans uh, along. Um, you know, kind of see what's going on there. Have maybe more of a, a European leadership. Uh, group in that in that time frame but i think it's going to be good for them i mean you play two games you're there with your boys you're able to bring along and show that leadership role obviously king's brass is going to be all the way around looking to see what they are and i'm sure they know exactly where akil and turk are in their health um you know they're this is a very well-run organization but you know it'd be nice to shake some rust off and you know for both those guys Turcotte and akil get some confidence going into camp Right. I mean, Turcotte
1: get some game game action.
0: Yeah. Get some confidence going to camp, get some game action. You know, I, I think they're both long shots to make the roster right out of camp, but they both have potential to play during the season, especially the fact that we're not going to be able to be carrying multiple people on the bench. You're going to have to see a lot of guys moving up and down. Um, and, And Russ, you might know more than I do if they are able to move, between both i'm not 100 sure where their contracts lie off the top of my head but I, I think it would be interesting in a confidence booster you look you look at like that season for jersey came in dominated that entire tournament showed what he was in the ahl and then got more than a cup of coffee in the nhl and then was like oh well this, like jersey's arrived like it was just nothing but a hey, confidence 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 and he just built a season in a matter of months and both those guys, uh, Keel and, and turcott definitely need the the booster. Injuries, injury plagued. Both had really high moments in the World Juniors, and we haven't really seen anybody anything from them since after that. And it's been nothing but rehab. And and you know, uh, uh, will they ever do it? Talk, which I'm sure, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how online they are, but it's got a way on their mind. The professional athletes, they want to be out there on the ice.
2: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Sean Dersey. I remember two years ago at that Arizona tournament, he was one of the best players on the ice. I mean, it seems yeah. like every time he was on the ice, the puck puck was on his stick and, and was going into the opponent's net. And the the funny part about that is he was actually paired with Jordan Spence, with Spence playing the left side at that tournament. Yeah. So maybe that's a little bit of foreshadowing to come for this NHL season. I don't expect Spence to be um, going into this team as much as I'd love to see him play and kind of dominate me. Much like Sean Durzi did a couple of years ago, but I mean, yeah, you you kind of get these players who kind of gain gain a little confidence um, from these games and these showings to kind of show sh- also show management to be like, hey, look what I've done in the off season. look where I'm at, and maybe give them, hey, if there are some injuries, like you mentioned, like Brandon, if if maybe you had Alex Turcotte or Akeel Thomas, like and either one of them, you, yeah, you're you're right on the nose there. If any of there's injuries in the NHL lineup, like let's say Akeel or Alex light the world on fire in the AHL to start the season who knows they could be the first ones getting a call-up I mean because they're both on relatively I think league minimum deals so it's not going to be that much of a hit to the salary Mm -hmm. cap so yeah it's it's definitely a fun weekend if anyone can make it out there I'll be out there so I'm looking forward to it.
1: Something that's that's I think a little interesting too when you talk about Akeel Thomas, and I'll include Figimo and uh, Laferrriere in these conversations. We've talked about the lefty-heavy LA Kings forward group, um, and how they're like we do. They, they've struggled to find right-handed shooters, uh, right-handed forwards, and you know perhaps that's something to where that that gives Akil Thomas a little bit of a leg up if he's able to maintain some sort of health and string some things together, have a good start. Him being a right-handed shot, Figimo being a right-handed shot um again just something that that i don't know how much will play into it but uh, it certainly doesn't hurt given the the lefty heavy lineup that is the the la kings forward group right now anyways
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of put this up here and uh i think a lot of kings kind of maybe feel the sentiment tom comes in after all the hype of all the draft picks for the past five years remind me who's actually made the roster they've all either not fulfilled on their potential injury ridden or traded away for better and i We'll start. I guess I'll start this off. I think you're looking at our. I mean, you look at as as cold as this is about to sound. These these are assets for the team to maneuver to make the team a better organization. Whether they fulfill their their need or their promise as as a uh, as a player, or they're traded for an an asset that uh, comes in and makes the team better. Brock Faber, excellent. He improved his draft stock from a second-round pick and got our best offensive weapon on the team in Kevin Fiala. You look at Gabe Villardi, finally had a good season. We move him away to get a number uh, 1B or 2C, whatever you want to call him, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and hopefully that helps uh, for the future there. So, And then you've had people that come in and play key minutes. Jersey played key minutes for the last two seasons for the Kings, was moved to the left side. Right. You have Jordan Spence was a, a fourth rounder, came in a- AHL MVP or all first team or whatever, and played significant minutes uh, down the stretch and in the playoffs. I mean, so this team. Yeah. You're not seeing the any uh, the, the colder trophy winners, which you might see one this year in Brant Clark. But they're they're starting to piece together some of these things. And I think the fact that the Kings wanted to win now and you brought up the Ducks, the Ducks tore it down and had a completely different strategy to their rebuild than the Kings did. The Kings wanted to win again with with Kopitar, so I think what you're looking at. Yeah, we all want to 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 see the top picks play. I mean, Byfield played on the first line for over two months. I get that, and there's a lot of people out there, me included, who says you know, like if you look at the stats, if Turcott doesn't play over 850 games as a number five overall pick it would be a failure compared to the average right so it's just different stuff like that you got to take it for what it is 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 it a bad pick have they not lived up for fulfillment are they only 21 years of age or less for most of the prospects on our roster you could probably say yes to multiple points of those but the team right now is in a position that they want to win And the NHL is not a developmental league for the Los Angeles Kings like it is for the Anaheim Ducks. So, you know, as sad as it is, and I'll probably see Brent Clark in the AHL, even though I want that train up in the NHL. It's just where the team is at the moment. I've come to peace with it. We'll see how how it works out. I mean, but you look at all organizations do this, right? The Dodgers had one of the best verdugo was one of their top prospects he's untouchable we'll never trade him away he's going to be a phenom and then they move him for mookie Betts, and they win a world series so it just really depends on what you define as successful um and so i I think success is did their stock benefit (laughs) the team in any way and i think for a lot of these players it has
2: well the thing that's difficult or you have to remember too i mean if you think back to it, Alex Turcott drafted in 2019. Obviously, I don't want to say it's been a bust yet because the myriad of injuries he's gone through. It's kind of I'll happy. say it, he's
0: been the worst first round pick in that draft so far. Yeah,
2: a hundred percent. I mean, in terms of at least top fifteen, top twenty players, I mean, you could have gone a number of different directions, but I'm I'm not writing up turcott yet. As much as we joke about it or whatnot, I mean it's it's tough because it means you feel bad for the player because you, you can tell he's just a competitive player and the injuries he's, he's sustained. I mean, just that crushing hit by Andreas Englund, who's actually now on the Kings, is is I mean, those type of things just happen in hockey. And I don't know, maybe he just has to get bigger. We'll see. But I'm I'm not writing off up. But the thing you have to remember is, I mean, with Quentin Byfield, a lot of these players that they we're talking about with the Kings prospect pool was right during COVID. I mean, COVID took a huge hit to some of this development of some of these players. I mean, you. You didn't have a lot of that scouting who, I mean, who who would be there at the rinks talking or a lot of development for these players who'd be at the rinks with these players. So there's a lot of that over the phone. Communication probably wasn't there as it would be before COVID. I mean, if you think about it too, I mean, Quinn Byfield, number one pick in 2020. Helga Granz, number two pick that same same draft. Traded away, whatever. Maybe didn't really live up to the hype, but, you were able to kind of attach them to a piece to get rid of some salary. So you got a little bit of value there. Brock Faber, like you mentioned, you got Kevin Fiala for Brock Faber. That's a win in my book. I mean, if I can trade a second round pick for a top winger, top 10 winger in the NHL, I'd do it in a heartbeat. And Kasper Simon Tyval, that same draft. Alex DeFerrier, that same draft. I mean, so there's still players percolating. And you look at the 21 draft, you, there's only four players. Brant Clark, Francisco Pinelli, Sammy Hellenius, and Kirill Kursanov. All four of those players – could be NHL regulars for the Kings in a few years. You never you never know. So you, it's really only that 2019 draft that we're looking at, and we're still waiting for Quentin Byfield, who's obviously the number two overall pick from 2020, to really become that superstar that we're all wanting him to become, especially with Tim Stutzla, who was the third overall pick right after him, kind of becoming that superstar already. So I think if Byfield can hit, which I th- if he has a really good season this year, maybe we start to hear a lot of those – rumblings of the development or the draft of the Kings these recent years um, start to go down a bit. Because I'm I'm really high in byfield. I'm I'm expecting him to have a really good season. But it's also curious to think about that.
0: I I like this name here. Yeah, Mike Anderson. Mike Anderson, fourth-round pick, signing an eight-year contract is going to be there for almost his entire career. That's a successful pick in my book. Yeah,
2: you can't just look at the first-round picks that the Kings have had. Look at all the other picks. Jordan Spence, obviously. Mike Anderson that we just talked about. So, yeah, but, I mean, I'm expecting Quentin Byfield to have a huge year, but something to think about is that he's going to be in line for a new contract. So it's almost like, yeah, it'd be awesome to see Quentin Byfield break out to the 60-point season, but then it's like, ooh, I don't know if I want to pay him right now. Maybe you wait a little bit, and then you start breaking out after a couple more years. But, hey, who knows? I mean, if that's the pill the Kings can swallow, I mean, if Quentin Byfield wants to put up 60 points, I'd be totally for it.
1: I, I listen, we, I, I get the frustration because I actually think it goes back to the Velarde draft. It took him so long. I mean, this was a player that was untouchable for years and uh, in, in the prospect and trade talks and whatnot. And it took him years to to really break it because, a lot, again, in large part because of injury. You look at similar to Turcott, uh, I think something Russ didn't mention is the number of injuries and COVID and whatever else that Quentin Byfield has had to deal with himself so i but i I think the frustration is very fair that i think we can be honest that they have they've missed on their top picks so far i mean again the verdict is still out on some of these guys but um you know velarde took a long time he finally has a, a bit of a breakout year last year he ends up getting traded of course um byfield Production-wise, it certainly wasn't there. I think that we saw a lot of signs last year, but production-wise, it really does need to come at some point. Otherwise, that becomes a concern. Turcotte, I mean, he, he that's just been a miss to date. Like Russ, I, I like the player quite a bit. and I, I do think that uh, uh, there can be somebody there, – there can be a middle six player there. Um, so I, I understand the frustration. We'll see if, again, as Russ mentioned, we look ahead – there's byfield and and brant clark as well who I, I again we'll see where he starts the season but boy does the, he looks like the special talent of the entire bunch brant clark looks like the one that that is like the special one um, you know arthur kaliyev in this conversation um, i think he's still still a really talented player still a really offensive threat that i don't think we've seen the best yet so um I don't know. I I totally get the question. I understand, especially when you see some of these other young players pop off and, and have big seasons within their first year or two. I get it. Um, and listen, I think if for the Kings to be a team that is going to push for a cup, they're going to need somebody to, to do something, to, to, to step up and be that player, whether it's Byfield, whether it's Clark, whether it's Spence. They're, they're going to need somebody that's a young player, Kaliev, be impactful on the roster. And I'm not saying like a 40 point impactful player. You need him that you need one of these guys or a couple of these guys to really start to put some, some points on the board and some production because you know, it's players that are out producing and outperforming their contracts that, that help you go deep in playoffs. And, and right now they haven't quite hit on any of those guys necessarily from that aspect. Um, but I think we're all still optimistic that that, that will happen.
0: I, I I would love to have a 60 to 80 point year for Byfield. I don't care what yeah. the contract comes yeah. in at. Um, so we talked about it with the prospects. I believe in order for the rebuild to be fully successful, two out of the four main first round picks, Filardi, Turcott, Byfield, and Brant Clark have to hit. Um, You would like to see that come from within instead of just trading everything away. But trades are a part of it, and that's what we'll get into in our next topic, Filardi's contract. But Velarde hit last season, was a breakout season for him. We were able to ride that and trade for impactful centerman. So if PLD comes in, sign an eight-year deal, is effective throughout his contract, then I would say that Velarde pick was a hit because it allowed us to get a very uh, well-impact player uh, for the Kings. Obviously, the verdict is still out because PLD hasn't even been on the ice for the Kings yet for one game, uh, let alone eight years. So we'll see. That's, a, that's a story that is being written constantly. Uh, but let's get into Velarde's contract here. Uh, a lot of fans are going to be comparing uh, Russ, as you said it, you know, what is I follow and Velarde bringing to the table? I guess and and Cupari bringing to the table for the pretty much the same overall cap value as PLD is getting. So two years, six point eight five. Uh, the cap hit is evenly spread uh, in AAV over the two years at three point four three seven uh, mil. Um, a lot of people were. <laughs> Uh, you know, calling me out of my mind that it's it's going to be five or more million. I said, I mean, I'm guessing three to five. I wouldn't be surprised if it was three million, if the team can't come to a, a bridge deal. Uh, this also lets him out before his UFA contract. So Velarde obviously believing in himself uh, to be able to come out and and be a UFA and earn the big bucks if his scoring continues. What did you guys think about the contract and value uh, for what maybe you thought was coming in and what Winnipeg's getting out of? Uh, this deal?
2: I thought it was a little bit less than what I expected. I maybe would have, I felt it was coming around like the one or three point seven $4 million range. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I get the the years, like we talked about it. I mean, bridge deal made all the sense in the world, keep his RFA status and then evaluate it. But I mean, if I'm Winnipeg, oh man, I I, I just, I probably would have wanted more of a long-term deal I mean, it's, you just had a player just leave. I mean, and you kind of look at what's going on in Calgary too. It, it certainly feels like if you have any kind of confidence in some of these younger players, I, I know it's kind of it's it's really risky, especially for Villardi with his his injury history. But if you have any confidence in some of these players that um, can be your star talent, really for the perennial future, I would try to sign them to a long term deal if I could. So. I mean if I'm a Winnipeg fan, I mean, yeah, this is great for the for the next two years, but man, I'd be freaking out whether he's gonna leave after that or or after that contract's over or wanna wanna uh head out the door.
0: Well apparently he's glad that he's in an actual, you know, hockey city according everybody to everybody says that.
2: They, <laughs> they all say that. They all
1: say that. <laughs> uh yeah, I think I think Russ, I wanna say we both did like articles at some point in the offseason uh-huh. and we kind of played around with projections and peg and, and using cap friendly's armchair and I think I think I had him in around three five on a bridge deal uh, you might have had the same I can't remember now so I think what surprised me wasn't necessarily the term or excuse me was the 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 cap hit was like Russ I think I was expecting a little bit of a longer term deal um, and I agree I think if you're Winnipeg fine, you kick the can down the road. I mean, you don't know, I obviously don't know what the, the conversations were like with Velarde and the agent and what they were looking for, what Winnipeg was looking for, but you have to be a little nervous if you're Winnipeg, knowing that this takes him to his UFA year. So um, it's sure. certainly, and, and listen, if you're, I think this is great for Velarde to get a bridge deal like this, um, you know, secure, secure what, $7 million, um, coming off a, a, a good year you're dealing with injuries so you got a little bit of security there and then if you as as randon said you bet on yourself and you have a chance to hit it big in in free agency this this could work out great for him and he probably wants to say you know listen i don't know what direction winnipeg's going here you know maybe they they could be a competitive team this season uh depending on what else they do the rest of the the off season um but you know, their are goalies on a one year deal. Shifley's not got much left. So there, there could be more changes coming down the pike here. So uh, whether that's this year or next year, perhaps Vellardi wants to kind of see a little bit of that out. Uh, so, yeah, I'd be a little nervous if I was Winnipeg. And in terms of Vellardi with the Kings, I don't know what that. Who knows? Just because he signed a two, two by three point four with with Winnipeg doesn't mean that it was a two by three point four. With with Los Angeles, we we just don't know what or if those even conversations even really took place and what where anybody stood there. So I try not to say, well, the Kings could have had him for that. I I don't know that it's apples to apples. So I don't. don't I don't even
0: know. We don't even like you said. Don't even know if the contracts even had place. Maybe the Kings were like, oh, PLD is available. We'll talk to Velarde after if we can't get this thing done. Like,
2: yeah, I don't know where any of that conversation even came from. I mean,
0: people were like, oh, he never wanted to
2: be here. I was like, I don't know or even thought that was brought up anywhere. I, the, like, it, it felt like a lot of that kind of animosity between the player and the team was just brandished about by the fans, just creating something. Because, yeah. oh, he got traded, and all of a sudden he's talking crap about the fan base. I think he would just, like you mentioned, Randy. I think that Rob Blake had a, a player in mind in Pierre-Luc that he wanted to go after. So, it's like, what's the point of talking to Vellardi if I'm possibly going to include him in a trade when I don't really have to re-sign him until, like, August? Yep. So,
1: yep.
2: yeah, I think
1: wow. I think yeah, I think you're right, Russ. And really, I, I, I mean, I think his con his comments were taken a little out of context, uh, yeah. in, in part because I think they were kind of initially tweeted at first, not in completion, uh, and then we saw the full quote. And it really wasn't that bad, um, but yeah, I, I think you're right, Russ and Rand too. He's like, you know what, I, I would suspect at least per reports. Uh, and and I apologize, like I'm going to, I don't know if it was Bernstein from the fourth period uh, that had said that, you know, the Kings had really pushed, or at least were interested in Dubois back when he was uh, initially dealt to Winnipeg. And if it was a deal that Columbus wanted futures for, he would have been a king at the time. So the fact that the player became available again, I don't think that, you know, I suspect Rob Blake knew he was available well before this trade and these talks took place. Like he probably knew that Dubois was available, uh, you know, months, months ahead of time.
0: Yeah, he, and, so, he and Brisson are like best friends. Like, so yeah, yeah of course. He's he's going to, go, to, when, a, when a girl you've had a crush on your entire life becomes available, you know, you don't let another guy snag her. You right. go out and get her, you know, and I think that's what Rob Blake did. And yeah, and
1: it was Bernstein also that I think that, that it said that at least at the time. Um, Dubois' camp and Velarde... Or excuse me, the Kings' camp and, and Velarde's camp had not yet spoken, which, as Russ alludes to, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of the world. Um, and if there was no deal to get done with Dubois, then I suspect Velarde probably does get done. Uh, so, yeah. I, and what I'm curious to see mostly for Velarde, um is where he plays. Uh, I think he has been somebody that has in in my opinion, has struggled anytime he's been down the middle with the Kings, Uh, whether that's early on in his career where he's probably thrust into a 2C too soon, um, or even later as a 3C, he has been far better as a winger. So I'm really interested to see where Winnipeg plays him because I don't know if we're going to see, and, and, and maybe we will, like, listen, I'm a believer in Gabe Velarde's talent. So maybe he is still able to be a two C in the NHL. And, and I hope that's the case because I'm a fan of the player, but I, I I'm have, seeing I second in my, line, right wing. And a lot of people from, and if that's the case, I think they've got themselves. A, I think he's a top six winger in my, if he's healthy, uh, and he's got the right line mates, the right center. I think he's a player that can play second line right wing. I think it's a really good fit for him. If he, if they're looking at him as a two C, I, I don't know that 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 we're going to see the same type of Velarde that we saw production wise last year.
0: I look at this contract, and you guys said you were wondering about the term, and I think uh, I'm gonna. I think Winnipeg doesn't really know where they're at, and I think the two years could work out well for them either way, right? And let's let's if Velarde owns up and is a 30 goal scorer, then you're going to be okay paying the guy because you're going to see two years of production. Okay, those guys don't come around often. We're fine paying Velarde. Let's Let's get it done. Winnipeg will be the only spot he can get eight years from. If he does well, but the team isn't doing well, if he plays well, but the team isn't playing well and they're going to decide to retool, well, he's going to be what, 24, 25? Yeah, they could build around him or they could sell him. I mean, 3.4 is not a lot for a, a team trying to win a cup. Trade them for multiple first round picks or young prospect in a first round pick, get some pretty good assets for a guy that's probably going to score 25 to 30 something goals. I think it works out either way. Um, I don't think Winnipeg's just gonna let him go for free. So either they trade him away, and he produces they trade him away for futures, or he signs there and they get a you know 25-30 goal score. And then if this is just a fluke season last season, you know, 3.4 is not a lot for two seasons. I think there's a lot of positives if you're a winnipeg fan for this i just know that just like king's fans are kind of frightened by all this prospect not maturing winnipeg's fans are probably frightened by all these players leaving uh, and you know for uh and not signing long term so we'll see how it works out for him i think a lot of people are always going to equ- equate velarde with pld because of the con- the contract and yep. the trade and everything like that and their futures um I kind of want to move this into PLD and his value of what he signed because we just saw Sebastian Ajo sign for 9.85, I think it was, for eight years, right? So that type of player, PLD, where Velarde is, that scale, it looks like the scale is going up. After seeing what Velarde got and then maybe Sebastian Ajo, where do you feel – do you feel any differently about the PLD contract?
1: I, I no? don't. No, I, I mean, Aho Ajo is – top player in this league, you know, or a top caliber player in this league. The, if he produced his production, isn't quite there, which is probably why he's 9.5 instead of 12.5. Um, but he does everything well. So I think that's, that's a, a deal that makes a lot of sense for him. And I think it is very reasonable that Dubois makes it, it comes in under that. Um, and I, I, just don't think it's apples to apples with Velarde because you're talking about a, you know, you're talking about a guy that's that's played really one season. Um, you know, he's he's been injuries, he's had injury riddled seasons in the past. He just hasn't been able to complete. He was sent down two seasons ago uh, to Ontario, so he really just isn't. He doesn't have the track record, I think, of, of 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 years played that that Dubois and Ajo have had. So I don't know that he has a ton to stand on in terms of leverage for a long-term five, $6, seven, eight $8 million deal does a I'll
2: say this, the Pierre-Luc Dubois deal in like one, two, in the next year or so, we're going to be saying that's going to be one of the more valuable contracts on the Kings. I believe that. 100%. I, He's I, gonna, I mean, I'm saying this, this player could easily put up, 80 plus points this season. He was on pace for 90 points before the All Star break with the Winnipeg Jets. The Winnipeg Jets were first place in the Western Conference. First place. They were the big surprise at that time. It mm-hmm. was like, oh, Winnipeg's in first. And then after the All Star break, he was dealing with a little bit of a nagging injury. He didn't. He kind of fell off a little bit. Same thing with the team. And and what happened with the team? They fell off too. So he was really the motor that was that team. So I mean, it's tough because yeah, we 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 we've kind of beat this to the ground. I mean, Villardi became such a fan favorite in his short time, just even just last year for what he did. I mean, all the goals that he scored, the, the goal against Bennington uh, in St. Or against St. Louis, that was tremendous. But I'm telling you, Pierre-Luc Dubois, I am so excited for what we're going to see from this player on a, on a team that he, he's never been a part of the team this good before. And especially playing a behind a Kopitar playing in front of Deneau where he can get, get those favorable matchups. Man, I, I'm the sky's the limit for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I, I'm like I said, I'm projecting possibly seventy-five to eighty points this season for for PLD, and I think it'd be something. Like I mentioned, it would be something a contract that we'll be talking about in a few years, saying it's one of the best contracts in the
0: league. Kings have a, a interesting triad here. You could be looking at a forty goal scorer and two point per game players for twenty million dollars total. So you know Kevin Fiala, PLD, and and Kempe right there for the next three seasons. You gotta have value when it comes to winning in the National Hockey League. You look at the Bruins did it for a long time, right had pasta marchand and um and Bergeron all under seven and a half or I think it was all under seven right They signed them early they got that production and so i think for the next three seasons you could be seeing uh some pretty good value, like you said Russ, out of uh, some key players on the on the Kings for those contracts
1: I, I think sometimes people too often look at. Uh, the ceiling as in the point production um, and say, and, and assess the value of a contract to that and say, well, he's not worth it because of X. I try to look at it a couple of different ways, not only the points, but also the style of player. Does he drive play things like that, but also the floor and the consistency. And like, I think there's something to be said for, you know, over the course of the, of his career I think Dubois is going to be, I think he's been a pretty consistent producer. He's been steadily in that 65-ish point range, I think, a few times in his young career. And I think if you're looking at from a floor, if you can bank that, then you assume as he gets older, he's in a better environment. He's going to be playing bigger minutes, power play, things like that, that that he's going to see more opportunities for production where, i think the floor matters just as much to the floor slash consistency is is maybe another way to put it where i I don't always look at what's the ceiling and what's the 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 max he could be but i think Uh you have to consider what is the player what 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 can you count on from that player year in and year out and i think that's a Uh pretty safe bet with dubois that he's going to be a pretty solid and valuable player Uh, it's just a matter of how much you know he can he can as Russ says gets to that 75 80 point guys uh, or uh, 80 point uh, mark.
2: I mean if anything, we'll be looking at that trade saying it's a win for the Kings, I think I mean I'm so high in it at the time. Um, you, you pair him with Fiala for the next six years man, that's going to be so much fun to watch. I mean just to kind of one more thing on Villalardi and not to not to knock on the player because he's not part of the team anymore. obviously he was part of the trade but one interesting fact I found about him is that going back to 2007, At five on five, Gabe Velardi had the second highest shooting percentage of any Kings player going back to 2007. So, you wonder if a lot of that was maybe due to the high quality looks he was getting? Because, I mean, if you think about it, he's getting a lot of his goals from really nice passes from Kevin Fiala or Andre Kobitar. And but he also has a lot of skill. So, I'm not knocking on Velardi, I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, consistently top six player in the league, but that'll be something to watch to see how he contends with a team like Winnipeg, who, who like you mentioned, Joe, it'll be interesting to watch what, what this team does. And I'm going to ask you guys too. I'll start with you, Randy. Do you think Winnipeg is a playoff team next year?
0: I mean, they showed flashes of it, but they got rid of their, their center. I think the center depth is going to be the biggest thing. Obviously you have Kyle Connor, 40 goal scorer. They're going to have plenty of scoring on the wing. Uh, they are going to have the center depth and, and the health, um, when you have a goalie like Hellebuck, you can definitely ride him most of the season if he eats up 50 games and stays healthy. Um, so based off that, I mean, I think they're probably a wild card team is what I would say. How about you, Jeff?
1: I absolutely think they're in the mix. Um, I think that central division is really interesting. I still think Colorado's the class. Um, but Dallas I don't see – Dallas should be good again. I don't see why Winnipeg can't be in that mix to finish – in that two, three slot in that, in the West, or excuse me, in the central. Like, I don't know that Minnesota is, is any better than Winnipeg. Um, Nashville, I know has had an interesting offseason, but I'm not sure I put them there. And I kind of agree with, with Randon. I think how the, depending on how the centers shake out. Um, Cause I think, you know, that that's why it's possible that we see Velarde as a two C because after Shifley, uh, John, t- <laughs> yeah. so I, so I don't know where, where where Winnipeg goes there, but again, if, if if there's a couple of ifs, like they need to, as Randon says, kind of get the center position short up a little bit, depending on what they do there, they're going to need some of these defensemen that they've got some intriguing young defensemen to, to kind of step in and play some roles, but they got a decent forward crop still. Um, they've got um, an elite goaltender. And I think it's a division that's open. Like I, I after Colorado, I don't know. I don't think that there's a definitive. I guess Dallas is probably a definitive in that top two with Colorado there, but you know, I think they can be very much in that hunt for for them for third in the Central or a wild card
2: spot. Yeah, I totally agree. I think what's
1: gonna what's gonna what's gonna drive what will create riots in Los Angeles mm-hmm. is when Winnipeg Winnipeg makes the playoffs and the Kings don't, man. and we'll have a problem. <laughs> yeah, right?
2: No, but I agree. I think I think they'll end up being. A, I think they could contend for a wild card, if not be one of the wild card teams. Because I mean, you have if you have Connor Hellebuck, who knows? I mean,
1: what's yeah, what, but but I still I just wonder what else are, are they and I haven't followed it closely enough to see if there's been anybody that's actually said anything. But like, is Mark Shifley still going to be here? or is he going to be traded still? I mean, it's, it's still only July. Um, you know, could he be out the door? I mean, I, I, I've got a couple of Bruins fans uh, locally here and I was like, you know, I, I don't know how they make the money work, but if they lose those two centers and Berjon and Krejci, I, I like Shifley for as a, as a short-term stop gap there, if they can make that money fit, I don't know how they do that. Um, but you know, there's, I just wonder if he's still somebody that that could be on the outs I don't I don't know um I mean it's it's to me it would be a little I mean, Wheeler's gone Dubois gone it seems like they wanted to shake things up a little bit bonus is still there I don't know the relationship between bonus and Shifley I don't know I I'm just I, I feel I, like
2: I, Wheeler was the guy maybe. that's what it feels like to me I don't know maybe Could've yeah I, I felt like I feel like Shifley would have been gone by now if it was really that kind mm-hmm. of if the disgruntled player between bonus and was, was Shifley, I felt like mm-hmm. he would have been traded by now. So part could of me be. feels like it was Wheeler. It could but be. Yeah, and there's also, I mean, like like Nav mentioned, like you have really good young players there. Cole Perfetti, who knows what mm-hmm. he could be. Brad Lambert, who I was really high on in the draft a couple of years ago. Like you mentioned, yep. Billy Hanola, their yep. defenseman, who's a really good yep. finish defenseman for them. So they have a lot of good young talent. So that will be a team to watch, especially come trade deadline, because – who knows if they're kind of contending on the borderline? I think Hunter Hellebuck's name will start coming up around the trade deadline, and that'll be the player to watch. Whether they want to just keep it keep it running and try to make that uh, cup run, which I don't think would be the the best idea, or they maybe try to move Hellebuck and see what they can get around the trade deadline for him.
1: They got Persoas. He's back too. So depending on what that what a potential Hellebuck deal looks like at the deadline, presumably they would get some sort of goaltender coming back. Um, you know, we've talked about you know, if, depending on what happens, if they make a Hellebuck deal, that doesn't. Who knows? Maybe they're still able to to get hot goaltending for that final twenty game stretch and be just fine.
0: Have, have, have Arizona eat some of that cap space. Um, so goalies has been the discussion all last season. It'll be the discussion all this off season and all next season. So Kings decided to go with the bargain bin, the bottom of the barrel, uh, cheap route. Uh, all three goaltenders are making in the million uh, to $2 million or up to $2 million range, um, where last year they had $10 million total total uh, in, in goaltending. So definitely a different uh, feel there. Uh, I think they're relying on to hopefully one of these three get hot. Maybe we can split it uh, split it out to, you know, 35-35 and maybe Rich gets 10 because of uh, maybe an injury here or there or and and we can get somebody to get hot at the right time for the playoffs unless a move is is going to be made there. But uh, I, I think it was uh, I forget who put the poll up on um, on Twitter. Joe you were in that discussion as well. You know, where where is there a prominent way for the Kings to get their next goaltender? Is it going to be through draft and development? Is it going to be through free agent or or are they destined because of the cap to bargain hunt for, for the next foreseeable future? And is there a proper way to build a team? And I I think it's an interesting discussion. Um, Joe was in there and I I think in, in, uh, I don't know if Russ, if you commented or not, um, I got in there, commented, and left. So, <laughs> um, but we'll start with Joe since I know for sure you were in there, Joe. What first? What did you select, and 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 where? Um, where do you kind of see the future of the goaltending for for the uh, the Kings?
1: Um, I selected trade UFA, but I <laughs> the way I approach it is I, I don't want to get into the situation i think the kings just happened to be in this because they had quick for so long right but i i don't think i think it's a mistake to say the kings need to find their next the goalie of the future i don't like that conversation because i think that puts there's just unnecessary pressure on any goalie whether it's portillo at the moment who's the young now the top prospect in terms of a goaltender for for the kings or anybody else that they sign or trade for later on whereas like i I look at it as let's let's have the team look at it in a like two to three year window whereas let's see how things kind of play out like in the meantime you draft you you throw your darts you know you draft a couple goalies you make a trade like they did for Portillo, you maybe sign a couple of college free agents your Hampton
2: you, slokinski's
1: right and you see let's see how those hit and in the meantime like I I think in a perfect world you know it would have they would have been able to do something a little bit better than than the Copley Talbot riddich trio that they have at the moment but I think all things considered this is it's it's workable right now. Um, and as you look ahead to next year, I don't think the UFA market is very uh, rich right now in goaltending. It, it, it's like the, the, the one that I am I look at is Ilya Samsonov. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his. I know he just signed a one-year deal to stay in Toronto. We'll see what happens there. Uh, obviously, the big name is Hellebuck, but personally, I'm not committing the term uh, and the the AAV that it would take for a goalie of his, you know, what'll be his age um, as he hits UFA next year. So um, I, I think it's going to be probably somebody that they acquire in a trade. But I guess what I mean by that is it's not as if they're going to go trade for Connor Hellebick and he's the goalie of the future. You know, maybe it is. You know, if Nashville crumbles and U C Saros becomes available, or if Thatcher Demko becomes available. But again, these are all like two to three year kind of windows. And I think that's fine. And then maybe after that, you get to the end of that two to three years, you evaluate, is it, were we keeping this particular player? Are we going in a different direction? Is, if, is somebody in the system built uh, or, or excuse me, is developed enough to be, to be ready to kind of take the reins and kind of hop into the NHL. So I, I just don't like the kind of the idea of how do the Kings find the next future goalie? Because, I I just think there's a lot of different avenues to go and I don't think a team really needs to do that anyways. I think, you know, even recent history looking at some of the, the, the cup winners, whether you look at Vegas, you look at Darcy Kemper in, in, in Colorado, like I I don't know how necessary it is these days. Um, So I would be hesitant to like try to put my eggs in a basket of goalie of the future is X, if that makes any sense.
2: This, this this sounds weird, but it's it almost feels like, I mean, what have we said? What have I said in the past? Or what have we talked about in the past? Is, I mean, this. I mean, you you should be very familiar with this type of conversation, Joe. Right? It's like you run you run that player to the ground, and then you get rid of him. Right? Yes. sounds sounds like your your friend Saquon Barkley over there in New York wow. Giants. I mean, this is what we've said, right? The, yes. the goalies. Yes. Are now NFL running backs, and look at look look what's going on in the NFL. These running backs are coming in, lighting the world on fire, and the team just doesn't want to pay him anymore.
1: Wholeheartedly agree with that.
2: Yeah, and, and this is kind of what we're seeing with the NHL. Is I mean, <laughs> you think about it. Carey Price, what, what, what's his contract? What was his contract? Like $11 million? Oh, uh, yeah, million? Uh, yeah, I think it was $10 time? million. Sergey was... got a $10 million deal. What did Sorokin just get? $8 million? We're seeing these values of these goaltenders start to go down a little bit. And maybe the importance of that position, maybe go down, or maybe I can almost say go down, but maybe be a little bit more underappreciated a little bit. And it, and it's not just because that you can't if you if you find a good goaltender, you're not going to be good because obviously you have Andre Vasilevsky, you can win a Stanley Cup any year. But those goaltenders are so hard to find. And if you, I mean, we've seen especially out here in LA, we saw Cal Peterson light the world on fire for a year and a half. Then all of a sudden fell off a cliff, and the Kings were stuck paying him for three years at $5 million a year and had to pay a a premium just to get rid of him off the salary cap. So I'm with you, Joe. I mean, I'm I'm to the point where if the Kings want to sign a goaltender every other year to a two-year deal, go ahead. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, it's getting to that point because – Unless you can really draft a player, the next Jonathan Quick, where you don't have to worry about the goaltending position for the next 13 years, then that's great. But at this point, I'm not paying Connor Hellebuck more than $8 million a year, especially at, th- what, he's going to be 30, 31? I mean, I mean even I mean, Thatcher I mean, Demko, who knows what his deal is going to be, but he's got a couple more years left. At only yeah, yeah. $5 million, so maybe that's something that Kings look toward, but besides that,
1: <laughs> the way if to do it,
2: it. I think the Kings are in a really solid position this year. Just shore up the defense, and I think Phoenix Copley. And and I, I've been looking. You know, what I've been looking for. I and I can't find it. I've been looking for that Phoenix Copley vezina future bet because I would Kay. love to put just a small amount of money on it just in case. Just in case yeah. you never know. Maybe Phoenix Copley starts sixty games. The mm-hmm. Kings go on this crazy run. He look at his look at his win loss record last year. It was like twenty five and six. Yeah. If he, put, if he plays 37 games and he goes like 28 and whatever and has like a decent GAA and a decent save percentage, put yeah. him in the, in the conversation. Who knows? But, yeah, I mean, it's it'll be interesting to watch and maybe you have the goalies have their own little Zoom call in the next year or so. Well,
1: I, I think what you do is you, you have to – you do have to, sh- to take your shots in, your, in the system because those guys are team and cost controlled for years, right? So – the, the quote unquote goalie of the future, whatever is, is I guess inevitably going to come from the system if it all pans out, because again, you got these guys that are under team control for up and for, for years, right. For the, for five, six, seven years, depending on when they commit. So, um, that, that makes a lot of sense, but in the meantime, because they are so young and these guys take such a long time to, in general, to develop, um, I have no problem going, like what you said, one, two-year deals. It's kind of like Carolina Hurricanes route, uh, and I have no problem with that. Toronto's kind of done it, and I guess the argument can be made that these teams didn't win cups. But, again, look who's just won cups the last couple of seasons, and I don't think it's really uh, – I, 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 I think that is a smarter way to go. If you are able to draft, develop, and identify the guy, like you look at Saros as the guy, Hellebuck was the guy, uh, Sorokin, um, uh, Vasilevsky, but there's only a handful of these um, that are really there. Ottinger in Dallas oh. is is another one. Shosturkin, obviously, with the Rangers. So that's, what, six, seven goalies uh-huh. I just named? There's 32 teams now? How many teams are there? 32 teams now in the NHL, so there's not that many of these guys. So it can be a bit of a carousel. I have no problem until you can develop one of these players and really what what works out is, you know, it took a while for these guys to kind of evolve into who they are. But you can do that when you're cheap RFAs and under entry-level deals and then RFAs and under team control. So that's why they're able to then sign these guys a little bit later on. But I I don't go out of my way to to overpay. Like the Corpus Alo contract from Ottawa is just terrible. Just a terrible contract. Um, and same thing with Tristan Jari. It's a terrible contract. Mm-hmm. Those aren't guys that I'm doing that for. When you can, I, I'd rather have Talbot at, at, the, at the price that, that they were at, as crazy as that might sound. So I, I, I'm with Russ right now, one, two year deals, um, unless something changes in the trade market. Because um, otherwise, like I mentioned, the UFA market is thin. Somebody's going to pay Ilya Samsonov $5 million for five years next summer. Yep. something like he makes three and a half i think now he's gonna he makes
0: two i think
1: uh did he just sign
2: though
0: he just oh, maybe maybe i don't have it. the oh yeah three and a half it, it did yeah. update okay well
2: you, you, you want you, you want to hear something funny so there are eight goaltenders who make six million dollars or more next season i'm gonna name them for you jordan binnington jacob markstrom connor hollabuck matt murray john gibson Andre Vasilevsky, Sergey Brovrovsky, and Carey Price. Two, two of those are worth it. I'd have two. Take, two. Give me two of those. I mean, I'm not even... I didn't even, even mention... It. But even
0: Vasilevsky... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but no, yeah. I don't know if you heard what, heard what he said. He said, after... I mean, obviously, I would take it after the amount of cups that they won, but one, do do does the Lightning win cups without the LTIR at, at that point? Probably not. I mean, that's not yeah, a really debate question. that you're going to put. So it afforded them the opportunity to pay Vasilevsky the price that he got. But two, he said, I was burnt out. I mean, obviously I would, you know, I, 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 it's 60 games every single year and then going deep in the playoffs every single year. Like I, I just, my body gave out on me. And so like, I just, I just think that a lot of more teams are going to look at that and the, the rigors of the season and what these athletes put their bodies through. You heard multiple goalies say that they lose five to six pounds a game. If not more on sweat because of what what they do, and so to put your body through that rigor mm-hmm. consistently, I think you're going to see a lot of teams go to a 60-40 split and get two goalies. And I don't want to see the Kings do the bargain this bargainy every single year <laughs> where three goalies are three point five million. But I think the sweet spot is two goalies at about five to five and a half, um, and total? really have total, yeah. yeah, okay, and and because. Re- you're looking at some of the like Fran Fran I think is it Franco or Francois? Francois. Like he's, yeah. yeah, he's two million, right? And he put up some solid minutes for for Colorado during their run. And so I, I think that that two to three and a half, maybe you have a guy that you have in mind to take the sixty part. But if you need to, the other guy is right there, and you roll that back and forth. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how it works out. And I, I, like you're looking at some, you know, Aaron Rodgers just took a discount to win. So maybe some of these goalies are going to see, hey, like the only teams that are going to be able to pay me eight, 10 million, I'm going to be are crap teams that I'm going to have to go to or teams that are in the in the middle. Right. If I really want to win a cup, maybe I'm going to have to sign for five million. And if Heli Buck signs for five million, that is a that's a steal. Right. It's a different like, story. That's yeah. a different story because he wants to go for a cup. Now, I'm, I'm not going to ever fault a guy to go get his bag if he wants to go and play for a crap team and get 10 million dollars a year hey, that's his life. Good, good on you. Spend that money. But I think, like you guys said, for the, for the Kings and and maybe a lot of teams feel this way, five, five and a half million is like between two players. And maybe you sign a third goalie to a million dollar, you know, a little over a million dollar contract. I think that might be the sweet spot where you're seeing, like I said, I don't want three goalies at three and a half million dollars or whatever it is, but I think you can find something there. And, the cap will go up, but how much we also have all these prospects that aren't goalie prospects that need to get paid. So, you know, where is that sweet spot? Uh, I think it could come there. And I think that also you got to look at how rare is it that we found what quick gave us. I mean, he's probably the best American born goalie. And, you know, you could arguably say top five, top 10 of all time, regardless of country. So two cups, And towards the end of his career was still putting up quality minutes at a very cost controlled contract for, for what it was, which was what I think it was right around the five, five and a half million. Right. So Mm -hmm. you were getting that type of production. And maybe, maybe that's where, like you see Joe's the the goalie of the future comes from the prospect pool within he puts up two or three seasons in a row at a cost controlled number. And then the team's like, Hey, you want a $6 billion for six year, type contract and then maybe that looks enticing and not dumping the 10 11 mil mark but you don't need to go out and find that guy right I mean you don't need to go out and find him um the best running back to win a Super Bowl in the last five years was Leonard Fournette and he got paid two and a half million dollars so it's just it's he had the pedigree but he didn't have the contract at the time that he won the Super Bowl so
1: I've been very much on that as Russ alluded to with the running backs and goalies comps. I, I really have been just because I, I th- you've got your handful of elites that are, when they, they they can steal you games, they can win you games, but it's identifying who those are and when. Linus Allmark just won the Vesna guys. So, it's like, again, do you consider him one of the elite goaltenders in the NHL? I don't, I guess I should, should I? Cause he's a, he, he won the Vesna. I don't put him ahead of any of those guys that I mentioned earlier. It was, I, I don't know. I mean, that. that's, I, I just, I can't, I can't get there where I'm going to go out of my way to to pay for, to pay big money for a goalie. Brandon, I think you're right. There's gotta be a sweet spot in a perfect world where what the way the Kings are going right now, this is definitely taking hashtag goalies to the extreme part of me loves the hell out of that. I respect it. Um but it is a little risky.
0: There's a there there is a crystal ball or uh Doctor Strange, you know, future that he looks into and it's absolutely a dumpster fire in <laughs> year. So so like so like it's just uh, it's like how far do you want to go to that extreme is what I'm yeah. saying.
2: Yeah, I mean this is I mean if you have a start of the year that you had last year, I mean Rob Blake has Might have his hands tied. I mean, Mm -hmm. again, even we, yeah, again, exactly. I mean, maybe that's why David Riddich is kind of that insurance policy, but I mean, it's David Riddich, it's not like you have anybody. So, I don't know,
1: the 23 to the 24 23 24 Phoenix Copley is is David Riddich,
2: 100%. So, yeah, that'll be uh, the the thing that I'm most going to be fascinated with is the bidding war, or I mean, I don't know if it's gonna be a bidding war, but. Um, the UFA signing period for Connor Hellebuck next year to see what he eventually gets paid, because like like people mentioned, I think Holden just mentioned he wanted that Vasilevsky type money. So I mean, if this is really truly where the goalie market is going, like the running back market in the NFL, he's getting nowhere close to that type of deal.
1: Do we see? Do we see teams or goalies or do we see more of them go? because we saw a rash of these five-by-five five type of deals. Uh, Campbell got one. Um, it wasn't five years for Peterson, but he got three. Tristan Jari just got a, a handful of years. Uh, obviously, the the deal for Corpus Allo. Or will we see the teams go, like, one year, $9 million for for somebody like a hellebick? And I don't know if either the team or the player would prefer that, but do we see them – go a, a much shorter deal and get these guys paid if they want and let them just do a bunch of one year Trevor Bauer deals, one year deals making making nine million dollars for these elite goalies and they just are mercenaries going from team to team to try to win a cup.
2: Well even I mean even if the, then like Randon mentioned, I mean how many cup contending teams have nine million dollars to spend on a goal? <laughs> I mean but the thing like I, I kind of agree with you though in that aspect maybe at the beginning of the year I if Connor Hellebuck wanted two years at seven million dollars, I'd think about it. I'd mm-hmm. think about it. You got mm-hmm. two years; it's not that much of a risk. So I wonder if that's kind of the way they gravitate toward, as opposed to that six-year, seven million dollars, six by six or something. Or
1: again, we or not like we we sit here and say, well, are, are we changing and teams are going to start to be a little bit hesitant on committing long-term deals at big money to goalies? and look what just happened we just saw corpus and Tristan Jari just get get long term deals multi year deals at big pretty big money for i would say for what their you know for for them and what their their skill sets are in my opinion anyways so maybe not there's always going to be one and all it takes is one to pay that 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 goalie 6 years or 7 years at at 9 million per
2: i the still can't year, and believe teams are going to get poor. desperate I still can't believe what Corpus solo got paid. I mean, he's just being set up for failure at that with that Ottawa defense. I mean, as much as I love Chikrin, obviously. I mean, Jake Sanderson's great. I love that Ottawa defense, though. I actually, I love it. And they just signed it.
0: Tarasenko. That's not. Their
2: good. defensive, okay. Their defense, defense, the just pure defenders are good. But the way that that team plays defense is not. That's, that good.
1: That 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 will be. I mean, they, they definitely play a little bit more of an up and you know the, a little bit more uh, high high risk high reward type of style of play. I would say maybe that changes a little bit this year as they've kind of because now I think the expectation is this is a team that can that can contend for playoffs. I think they can. Um, I think they very much can. Um, and you know, you mentioned the the Tarasenko deal. I think it's a good fit for them. Again, one year, five million kind of replaces to brinket if you will um i like the deal i th- i think this is a, a a really good team i love the decor i like some of their young forwards and yeah the corpus Allo deal i mean that's just
0: i i don't i don't know i mean is it going to be another uh, edmonton situation where you have a rookie coming in and starting most of the games on the stretch it,
1: hey that's that is not
0: a crazy thought at all <laughs> that if you look at the team I mean, but you yeah, look at a like, team got d- desperate. Edmonton was desperate with what they saw from Mike Smith, right? So, so were the Kings, I mean-
1: were the Kings too. <laughs> and I'm glad the Kings didn't do something like that because, because, yeah, you're right, Randon. They, they, they desperately needed a goalie and good for Campbell on cashing in on that. He had a half a season in Toronto where he made the all star team and he cashed in on it. You know, Matt Murray's cashed in. I, I, I don't, there. yeah, group, like I just, I don't know what these teams or GMs are seeing in some of these guys to to commit that. Like again, if if you're if you're telling me Corpus Allo can be a four million dollar goalie, I buy that. But for a five, why are you to commit that many years to him? It just that I can't wrap my head around. Because look as as you mentioned, look what's happened with Campbell. Like, although I think I do think Corpus Allo is better than Campbell, but still it's just I I, it's the years that get me with, with these goalies. Is, is the long-term commitment to, to, to goalies that are not top goalies.
2: The division they play in, too, is so tough. Man, that's going to be – I mean, even even with Boston losing Bergeron, I mean, that division is still just – Oh, yeah. In.
1: No question. Because I, I think well, – I mean, it's so fun, though. I mean – Even think,
2: Detroit's going for it, too.
1: Yeah, and I don't think they're as good,
2: though. I don't know. I don't I feel, think so either. I mean, that Debrinket deal actually made no sense to me. I, I don't
1: know. I'm, I'm not sure what they feel about Detroit. But I, I think, like, I do think Boston comes back. I think Toronto could conceivably run away with that division. Um, and then you got a lot of teams, I think, in that mix. I mean, Florida eked in last year. You know, Tampa, I think, is still going to be solid. But Buffalo's coming. If they can get some saves, Buffalo's coming. I think Buffalo and Ottawa are both really, really intriguing teams in the East.
0: Now comes oh, in here. I have no idea how the
1: hell we just got on Buffalo and Ottawa for a second yeah. there in that division. But goalies. <laughs> goalies. Uh, now
0: coming here and says, do you think the team pay? Do you think a team pays a goalie because they have no defense, and teams with good defense don't want to pay a good goalie? Like, do well, you think it's? Do you think teams that hey, like our defense was sorry, we couldn't get a save last year. Let's put a goalie in there, and they. They focus more on, hey, it was the goalie's fault. Let's get, let's get a goalie. Or do you think teams maybe should focus on, hey, we need to have a better defensive structure? Or, I mean, that's like, kind
2: of what Ottawa's – it seems like that's kind of what Ottawa's doing. What Edmonton did, I think. Yeah, to Edmonton too. I mean, but it's not, it, that's not the smart way to go. You, you need to have a good defense. Or if even- you're
1: going to do that, you do it with a legit number one goalie, not Jack mm-hmm. Campbell and Jonas Corposalo.
2: I mean, even you, the, look at the Kings. The Kings are doing it right. I mean, if you're going to have the value goalies and the the bottom-of-the-barrel type goalies that they're going for, you need to have an Anj Kopitar, Philip Deneau, uh, Mikey Anderson, Matt Roy, Vladislav Gavrikov. You need to have those players playing in front of those goalies in order to make them look like they're, they're top goaltenders in the NHL. Because if not, then all of a sudden you're going to have Phoenix Copley going up against just – Onslaught of shots coming at him. I mean, the Kings were one of the best teams at lim- limiting high danger chances in the NHL mm-hmm. last year. So mm-hmm. that's a lot of the reason we. I think that, that Rob Blake is going to this um this gamble that he's he's taking right now.
1: But yeah, I, to your question, I, Brandon, I think there's a couple teams that have probably done that with Ottawa and with Edmonton, and I I think it's a little risky.
0: I, I want to kind of bring this up with the and, and maybe I'm wrong here, but. Uh, the NHL has been one of the out of the four major leagues has been probably the least advertised. Obviously, the players make way less. Uh, nobody's getting close to Mbappe money. Um, what about that contract? Jesus Christ! Money. He turned it down. He turned it down oh, too. That's yeah, so crazy. Seven hundred and seventy-four million. Um, yeah. But so, like, the players aren't getting paid this much. Obviously, the ESPN deal comes in, but with more spotlight, more televised games, higher percentage of viewership comes with stardom and come, you know, you look at Trevor Zegras on the cover of, of, of Chell, right. You have a lot of these guys doing more commercials and, and doing those types of things. Uh, but Dar got, I think, I believe he got a stick sponsorship already and he hasn't even played a game. So like a lot of these super stardoms come with facial recognition and none of these goalies, they're all wearing masks. Right. And so yeah maybe the money is going to start going because of the ESPN and, and the Turner sports is going to start going more towards the heavy stars because as they should, they're scoring a lot of points and there really isn't going to be much stardom to advertise or to put your money behind when his face is covered the entire time.
2: I mean, I'm, I, I'm a little worried about where the NHL is heading in terms of that situation. I mean, these players seem like they're vastly underpaid, Compared to some of these other leagues, I get it that they're, it's not the NBA or MLB or whatnot. But I mean, Jalen Brown just got sixty million dollars a year for the Celtics, and he's not—it's the highest-paid player in the league. He's not even close to being probably top ten player in the in the NBA. And when you have your best player and Connor McDavid is going to be making probably what thirteen million dollars. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it just—I'm just—I don't know when the CBA is up but i'm worried i'm just these these players probably deserve a lot more than what they're going to get paid and the salary cap is obviously limiting a lot of that and mm-hmm. yeah there's covid and whatnot but oh, man if i'm these players i'd probably be a little bit jealous of what some of these other players are making uh, in other leagues i, I think they I'm deserve sure. a little bit more
0: i'm sure the cba is going to be obviously they're getting more money how much more of that money is going to be going into to everybody's pocket i mean you're looking at a lot of it's going to start to replenish what they lost during COVID, but that can only be used as an excuse for so long. You know, 40, I mean, the NHL or the NFL has eight games. I mean, obviously it's the most watched sport. There's fantasy sports, all that kind of stuff like that that pumps money in. Basketball has the same amount of games as, as hockey, right? And baseball has way too many games, you know, but they get paid whatever they want to get paid. I mean you're talking about a bill almost a billion dollars is gonna be rumored for Otani, right? So like there's gotta be some change there. And I think the ESPN money is gonna be something that like you said in the CBA, like how much more? Like if we'll say if in the next five years, if the salary cap gets raised fifteen million dollars, what are centers like Austin Matthews making? 16, 17, 20 million? Like is that where you see the game headed? I mean is Bedard going to get the first $20 million deal like per year? You know, if oh, the a, a good, up, good bet. right. Good bet. So um, I think it's something that's definitely going to be interesting to see how that goes. And if the, I look at ESPN's coverage of hockey is still not there yet. Like you're looking at the Kings were uh, the, the hockey playoffs were going on and they were talking about off season for or uh, for basketball. And then now they're showing summer league games on ESPN instead of talking real stuff. Right. So it's like, you don't really see that a lot yet. Uh, maybe that will get going and with time and what ESPN learns, but I like what you, your thought that the CBA, like how much does this money really affect what these guys are going to get to get paid? Cause they put their bodies on the line just as much as football players do. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, and also too, the MLS is, 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 Grabbing a lot of viewership too, especially with Messi over here now. Yeah, um, who knows who else is going to be coming over to America to play soccer? But it's, it feels like the NHL. And I don't want to be that guy, but it feels like the NHL has kind of dropped the ball. And yeah, COVID definitely took a hit on that. But there, there could be a little bit more that can be done to market some of these players, bring a little bit more attention, eyes and ears to what's going on in the NHL, especially getting games. I mean, I, I know as Kings fans we hate Connor McDavid, but I mean, as a hockey fan, I love him. And he should be shown as much as he can. I mean, you got to you got to promote these star athletes that, the, that the, the NHL has. And just to kind of round out our Ottawa Senators corner of the podcast, <laughs> what, do you, what do you guys think of the Vladimir Tarasenko deal? What, what do you think, Joe?
1: I like it. Um, I, I He's not a player I'm going to give a multi-year deal to. So I think one year is great. I think Ottawa needed a, somebody like that to – to kind of fill the net a little bit. I mean, he's not the player that he used to be, but I think it, it made sense for them, you know, when they lost to Brinkett, to find somebody that can that can score and be a scoring winger. But I like it. I, I think it's um, probably a fair number too, really, the five million. I don't think that he's at this stage of his career should be commanding much more than that. Um, I, I like it. I think that they he's a the type of player that I think they could have used.
2: How about you, Randy? What was your thoughts
0: on the deal? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I, I they needed a scorer. They 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 brought one in, and I think you're looking at. We talked about it for the goalie market these you know these mercenaries. I think you might see a lot of these aging scorers be mercenaries as well. Teams are getting smarter, right? Look, like look, look how. No offense to Brent Burns, but look how garbage that contract was, right? Like towards the end, like he's just getting paid an absurd amount of money, and he's 38, right? So it's like, I think I think these. Players are getting smarter. I think these agents are getting smarter. Like, hey, look, let's, I got to make my money now. Like, let's sign these eight year deals, you know, for Stutzla. Get me out at 28. I can sign another four or five year deal with good money. And then, because now you look at a lot of these aging scores at 31, 32, 33 are kind of like poking around the league. Unless you're a, a solid two way guy that can bring, you know, to a 200 foot game, like these, these snipers that are power play you know, type players are going to be going around the league, you know, left and right. I mean, Phil Kessel still has a place in this league. doesn't play any defense. He's a power play expert, scores goals, but like he's just going to get those one to two year deals for the rest of his life. I think there's going to be a place for players like that and not only goalies, but for, for scorers as well.
2: I mean, I thought for me, I thought Tarasenko was tremendously underpaid for me if, I understand he had a, a big injury. I forget what it was. It almost killed him out for a full year, almost a year and a half, I think. Yeah. But, I mean, this is a six-time 30-plus goal scorer, Stanley Cup winner. And I don't know. Maybe he just is looking for one year, like kind of oh, like the, the Gavrikov kind of deal, right, where he's just looking for a short-term cash in again. But, I mean, Sango is only 31 years old. And <laughs> from what I watched in the Ranger games, I thought he was one of the better players for the Rangers in the playoffs. So, for me, I mean, if you can get Tarasenko – I would have loved if I if I were the Kings or if I were any team really I've if I would have got Tarasenko for like four years at five million dollars a year so I'm here for that especially with where the cap is probably going to go in a few years that five million dollar cap hit wouldn't look as crazy
1: I don't think uh, I would have done the four years I, I think I would have been I, I would have been real hesitant at that. I I think it's great that it's a one-year deal I'm just nervous of of the health of the player he's had some like those injuries were significant
2: that's the thing, too. Yeah,
1: it's, it's- uh, I mean, and and I don't know offhand what, what I don't know what he ended up doing last year, production wise, and because I don't know that, like I, I don't know that he's maybe he's got another thirty goals in him, another thirty goal season in him. Especially, listen, they they've got some skill and some players over there in Ottawa. You know, it's not just Tim Stutzler and Brady Kachuk. I mean, I love Josh Norris. I think he's a hell of a freaking player. Um, they they've got some talent. And some young talent, and and there, and then you know, so him on the flank, I think could could work really well.
0: Fifty and sixty nine. What what was that? Fifty points in sixty nine games. Oh, okay, okay, thank you. Yeah,
1: so yeah, that's that's you know, I, I think the numbers, I think the numbers fair given his what the injury he came off of and the production that he had this past season. Because um, I I don't I'm not like. I don't love the player, but I do like this fit. I think on a one-year deal. I i, I don't like. Maybe you could have talked me into two, but I'd, I'd be nervous committing too much to him. But it certainly could work. Could uh, shoot if he scores thirty goals. That's a hell of a deal for
0: for Ottawa. Well, it's probably what he's
2: cashing in on. Is hopefully go yeah. off this year and then cash mm-hmm. in another deal next year.
0: Sure. Well, appreciate you guys listening to the first hour of the Kings and the last 25 minutes of the Buffalo and Ottawa podcast. Uh, thank you guys for being in the chat. Please smash that like button. Hit that bell for more notifications of Kings content. Go on hockeyroyalty.com. Catch all our articles coming out. The season's coming up with the rookie faceoff. off uh, any, uh, any updates on injuries and everything like that will be here on our website. we uh, got some gear on there, so please go out there and get your Hockey Royalty t-shirts and mugs and hats. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Hockey underscore Royalty, NHL Russell, J.W. Paterino Kopitar 4HOF for all your rain coverage and Rando Commando 24. Thank you guys to the chat again. Appreciate you guys always uh, for being loyal fans of Hockey Royalty. Um, and as always on this podcast, Go Kings Go!